0: So a couple of weeks ago, before I got sick, we started a a quasi-sermon series here on the Wednesday night chapel service around a story in Genesis, one that is a bit troubling, the story of Abraham offering Isaac, his son, up to God as an offering, uh, or commonly known as the sacrifice of Isaac. And I wanted to spend several weeks on this story knowing that it is a difficult one because we often have this tension, particularly with difficult passages of the Old Testament, where we struggle to see the God that we have come to know across the pages of the New Testament and through the life of Christ. And yet, we know and believe that the God of the Old Testament is still the very same God that we believe in. So how do we, knowing this God, come and look at stories like this one that are challenging and still see the God who loves, the God whose grace is enough? And so we're spending several weeks with this story to look at it through different lenses, to see the fruitfulness that God might still have for us within this scripture, even within its complex story, even though this story is hard to hear. And so a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, um, we uh, focused on the word in the very first verse, tested. And we pondered, what if that word tested is actually translated as proof? Whereas God is inviting Abraham to show what it is that Abraham knows. What are the truths that Abraham has come to know about God that has I- informed the way that Abraham acts in this passage. And so tonight we're going to look from a different lens and offer a different perspective on this story. But first, I'm going to read it for us again. And so I invite you to hear this story Um as it is, and in a prayerful stance, ponder with me what it is that God might be speaking to us, even in the midst of it. So hear these words from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Interesting timing. Thanks, God, for those who are online and just thundered out here. And so we know the presence of the Lord. I tell my kids that God is bowling. So God is playing a good game of of bowling this evening. After these things, God tested Abraham or proved, or asked, invited Abraham to prove. He said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac. "'Whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, "'and offer him there as a burnt offering "'on one of the mountains that I shall show you.' "'So Abraham rose early in the morning, "'saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him "'and his son Isaac. "'He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out "'and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. "'On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away.' Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the word of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, And Abraham said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the children of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, once again, meet us in this place this evening. Open our hearts and open our minds and open our ears that we might hear this story afresh, that we might hear your words of truth, hear your goodness, even in the midst of it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So usually I ask you a question and invite you to respond, but since we're working with a similar passage that we did a few weeks ago, I wanna go ahead and offer a couple of ways that we can think about this passage afresh. There's something in the Jewish tradition called Midrash. How many of you all have heard of Midrash? A couple of us. For those who do not, that's okay. In the Jewish tradition, there are things uh, we hold the Torah, which is the primary scripture, uh, the first five books of our Old Testament. Torah is the Jewish tradition's scripture. And then you have another set of writings called the Haftorah, which are the other books typically that we would find in our Old Testament that. Jewish tradition holds as highly respected and important to the life of faith, but not primary scripture, half Torah. And then the third set of writings that they hold in high regard is a set of ancient commentaries by ancient rabbi that date all the way back to the second century. And these, these sets of writings, these commentaries, are the ways that this set of rabbi have come to speak about and wonder about the scriptures found in the Torah, the ways that they interpret that Torah. Now, I have a sat and tried to read some Midrash, and it is not for the faint of heart, It almost feels like I'm chasing several different rabbit holes and don't know which one to follow at what time. They often use different parts of scripture to help inform their understanding of the the place of scripture at hand. But within that commentary, you feel a sense of playfulness where they hold the scripture relatively loosely and ask the question, what if it was like this? And in their pondering, in their questioning, in their looking to the life and nature and character of God, they come up with several different ways to interpret one scripture. And all of that, they believe, as fruitful for the life of their faith. So they hold this commentary not as scripture, but as helpful. And I love this tradition and this commentary and the way that it is is held in such high regard because it allows for the people of Jewish faith to ponder, to wrestle, and to play with what it is that God might be speaking to them within the bounds of scripture to hold the scripture relatively loosely knowing that yes indeed God gave them the gift of scripture that God is revealed in scripture and they can come to know who God is by asking good questions by allowing God to work within their study and in their questions and tonight with this particular passage and many passages in fact even all passages of Scripture, I think that's part of the work that we are invited into, especially with difficult stories like this one. We are invited to do this ongoing work of Midrash, the ongoing work of asking the question, what if it was like this? To hold the words of Scripture loosely enough so that we can come to it with a spirit of playfulness, a spirit of pondering and wondering. And in doing so, we together can uncover a God that indeed is consistent across the totality of the biblical narrative. And so tonight, I want to focus in on the second verse of this passage. I will read it again, and specifically the word as, a tiny word, just two letters. But I think if we look at it differently, we might come to see this passage in a new light. So hear this verse again. God said, "'Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, "'and go to the land of Moriah "'and offer him there as a burnt offering.'" on one of the mountains that I shall show you. Historically, we have interpreted this word as, in the phrase, as a burnt offering, as a preposition. As we have come to understand that God's directive toward Abraham is that Isaac is the burnt offering. But what if, There's a different way to interpret that word. We know that the Hebrew language is complex. We know that the English language is also complex. There are many ways to say many things in our language. The problem with the way that we have interpreted this or so... Historically, if if you're looking at ancient texts, one of the questions we ask always is what is going on in the moment, in the historical, contextual moment. What was happening in Abraham's world that would have informed his understanding of God's directive here? This word... As, what is God asking of Abraham and if you look at the context of the world around Abraham you would see that many of the other religions of the time had a practice of a child sacrifice that it was common to offer your child back to whomever God that you served that whatever go- you would hear from that God that this is what you are to do and so, for Abraham, knowing what the other world religions would ask, and coming having a relatively new relationship with this God, you would have to first wonder, I, what if he misinterpreted this directive from God? leaning into the practices of what were happening in the time. But, in Abraham's coming to know this God, is he really asking Abraham to do this act? Is it truly in line with what God would want? What if Abraham did misunderstand God and what God is asking of him. Instead, what if, looking at these verses and this phrase, what if God is inviting us to interpret these words as a burnt offering, as a simile, rather than a preposition? What if God was saying something more like, offer Isaac to me, as if you were offering a burnt offering. Not to offer Isaac as a burnt offering, but in the same way that you would approach that holy moment of offering fruit or first crops as a burnt offering back to God, the way that in which you would approach in prayer in the same manner. What if God was asking Abraham to s- and saying, Just as you might offer a burnt offering, offer Isaac to me. What if this was a simile, not a directive of God to offer Isaac as a sacrifice? We often, what if it was more like the way in which we pray? There's often times when I pray to God, asking God to hold my son Christian, offering Christian to God, knowing that God is at work in Christian's life, knowing that Christian is a gift to me that was first given to God. What if God was asking Abraham to acknowledge the meaningful way That even in a meaningful way, that even though Isaac was born to him and Sarah, that Isaac was first and foremost a child of the Most High God. We often in our communion liturgy say something along the lines of, we offer ourselves, ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice to God, for God to use for God's purposes. I don't believe that God is asking Abraham to do something treacherous. I believe God is asking Abraham to simply acknowledge in a prayerful and meaningful way that Isaac was first a gift from God, and that what Isaac is going to do, who Isaac is, is a child of the Most High God. I wonder, and I wonder how often it is that we might misinterpret or misunderstand what God is asking us to do. Is this quite out of the realm of possibility? How often is it that we feel or wonder and question whether we're hearing the voice of God? And something that we are doing. How might this have gone differently? If Abraham, the great father of our faith, misunderstood God's invitation, is it out of the realm of possibility that so often in our walk of faith we also might misinterpret God? And when we do, what do we do about it? Who is it that we are serving? How might we wrestle with this idea of misinterpretation or misunderstanding? What does it look like to listen well in all times? I, in asking that question and looking back at this particular moment of scripture... I wonder what it would look like instead of Abraham just to take God's directive as is. In the scripture, Abraham just goes and does it. But I think part of what listening well looks like is asking clarifying questions. Asking questions of God about what God might actually mean. God, are you really telling me to do this thing? Just a few chapters earlier in the passage that Steve preached for us on Sunday, we see Abraham doing this very thing, asking clarifying questions of God, a God who said that he was about to destroy the city of Sodom. And Abraham gets in God's way, literally stands in front of the path, and asks God, are you really going to do this thing that you said? and asked clarifying questions of God to uncover the truth of who God is. What if Abraham took time to do that very same thing here? Because we know that our God is a God who handles those questions, who invites those questions, because Abraham did that just chapters before. So what if for us in our own prayer life, when we wonder what it is that God means, even within the bounds of scripture, we take time to ask, God, what do you mean here? God, what are you inviting me to do? What are you asking me to do? And I have to wonder how this story might have played out if God, uh, Abraham took the time to ask those questions of God. And friends, even when we misinterpret, even when we misunderstand what it is that God is saying to us, we see in this scripture that we, that God is a God who intervenes and intercedes on our behalf, even in spite of our misunderstandings. We see that As Abraham goes further down this road, down this idea that God is asking him to sacrifice his only child, God sends an angel to say, stop, stop. This is not what I intended. It is clear that you trust me. Stop. Our God is a God who intercedes, intercedes on our behalf no matter what path we choose to go down, no matter how we may misinterpret or understand what it is that God is up to in the world, in the pages of Scripture, and in our own lives. So friends, this is just an angle of interpretation of one of the many ways that we can see and uncover a God who loves A God who would never ask such a treacherous thing. A God who would never test. A God who loves. A God who invites us into a deeper understanding of what faithfulness could look like. For me, it's asking questions. It's giving myself space to uncover a God of goodness and grace and love by questioning the places where I don't see the God that I know and yet trust that God is present. There are many, many other ways that we can come to the Scripture. I invite you that as you continue in your pondering of this passage and other passage, you might come to it with your questions. And that you might trust in a God who always is interceding, always is meeting us where we are, even when we might fall astray. And thanks be to God. Amen.